Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I woke up at 5 a.m. Put on my camouflage. Wiped off my 243 and fired up my Dodge. Headed out to my old deer stand back in the pine. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors for hour number two of the broadcast. If you're just joining us for this second hour, we're doing open lines tonight, talking about hunting, fishing, the great outdoors. The numbers to reach us, as usual, 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Before I take these callers, we got Mike, Tommy, and Nate on hold. Fellas, I'll get to you here momentarily, but we had a lady that had a problem with her pond called in in the first hour. Her name was Sue, and I was giving her some recommendations, and upon reflection, I've got a great idea for you, Sue. If you're still listening to us, please call back because I'd like to discuss it with you. I think you're going to like what you'll hear. If I don't hear back from you, I'll probably share my thoughts before the program's over, and hopefully someone will clue you in that I did attend to it. You can hear us on podcast, which incidentally you can hear us on podcast. It's Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Previous shows are cataloged there, and that's the way you can keep in touch with us when you're not able to hear us on Sundays or if you want to um Listen to a show again, whatever the case may be. All right, let's go to uh, Mike, who's up first. Yes, Mike, welcome aboard. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing fine, sir. I hope you're doing well. I am doing fine. I told you last weekend I was taking them kids on a camping trip this weekend and fishing. Yes, sir. Bluegill and some red here. Well, we we got into the bluegill. We flat laid laid it on them. Great. Great. Now, the shell, the big red here, we found a big bed of them. Jim, and I've never seen this. I do everything but the kitchen sink at them dudes on that bed, and they <laughs> would not get a thing. I've seen them do that before, and I'll tell you, the only thing that I find that they'll take when they're in that mode, and they, they'll get that way when they're bedding hard and guarding yep. their uh, nest, a, li- a piece of live night crawler that's real lively on a light hook, no bobber. Just, you know, a plain night crawler, no sinker, no nothing. 
flip it into that nest and let it sit there, and he'll eventually take it. That's the only. I, that. I, I took I took waxworms, night crawlers, redworms. I mean, I would just lay it right there in the bed and just let it do its thing, and them dudes would not hit nothing. I'll be darned. Well, I've seen them get like that. I mean, they're they're a peculiar fish in that that regard. But uh, I'll tell you another tip about that if you're able to do it, and I'm sure there's still some of them spawning in those areas because, you know, the full moon just was upon us. Um, you go back there and you fish right at the break of day if you can. I'm talking about, yeah. you know, daylight till sunup. The big females will come up and feed around those petting areas, and the males will take live bait pretty readily in those situations. So that's yeah, I was over early this morning trying to get into them and couldn't get them to do nothing. I see. I was over about 6.30. Well, slam the bluegill. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, they had a good time, though. I mean, they they caught plenty of bluegill, big bluegill, and, and we got on some catfish last night. Uh, and we was catching those fat catfish right off those bluegill beds. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. They definitely prowl those places. I told them boys, I said, get your catfish poles ready. I said, them catfish be coming up here around them beds. We're going to fish around them beds. And we, we caught six nights, big uh uh, flathead. So, well, and all the bluegill I caught, I spent two of us spent an hour this morning cleaning fish. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a good thing. Well, Mike, appreciate yeah. the report. All right, Jim. Yes, sir. Uh, Nate, Tommy, Earl, and Steve, I'll be right with you. I want to return to Sue, however, who's calling back. She had a question, and according to what I see on the board here, I think this may help. With your all's questions as well. Sue, can you hear me all right? I sure can, Jim. I got to running in my brain, you know, jump started into hyper gear while we were on break. And That's there's okay. there's something I failed to pass along to you that I think will cure your problem uh, fairly rapidly and it'll be very, very beneficial to your lake. And I'd recommend it over uh, the use of chemicals. And I don't think you're going to have to actually obtain more grass carp, and that is fertilization. Um, I'd encourage you to fertilize the lake, and the uh, formula I would use for that, you need to have your husband go to farm supply place and get powdered lime, 50 pounds of, of uh huh, powdered lime, not pelletized, but, you know, powdered lime like they use on yeah. – ball fields and stuff, and 50 pounds of DAP, D-A-P. It's actually diammonium phosphate. If you can't find that, uh, ask those folks for the thing they've got that's the closest on the analysis. The NPK on DAP is approximately 1040 zero, and put 50 pounds of that in and just sprinkle it around in the lake. You know, just toss it out in the lake. And it'll cause a real strong plankton bloom, which are the microscopic plants and the microscopic animals that will come along after that. And it shades the water and will starve those weeds for sunlight. They won't be able to photosynthesize. And it'll be a tremendous aid to your growth of your remaining fish and what occurred to me was you told me you are able to aerate. Is that correct? Yes. 
I no. used to have an aerator and two fountains uh, out there in the lake, and um, we somebody come in on our property while we were gone and cut the anchors or pulled the anchors up and caused everything to go down into the shallow end and burnt the motors up. Well, wasn't that nice? <laughs> it was. Oh, it good was grief. Nice. <laughs> well, at any rate, uh, that is my best suggestion, and I can promise you it'll have good results. 50 okay. pounds of powdered lime, 50 powdered pounds lime. of DAP, DAP. Mm-hmm, or as close to 1040 as they have. You know, yeah, I'm talking about granular fertilizer, and you just, both of them just, you know, walk around the edges and throw it out there, and it'll mix, and within a week or two, those weeds will start to die back. Okay. okay. Now, is this safe for farm animals? Absolutely. Okay. Okay? Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Jim. Enjoy you, your show. Yes, ma'am. I'm glad I thought of that because I think that's your answer. Let's go to uh, Nate. You're up next. Yes, sir. Good evening. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Long time listener, first time caller. Well, welcome aboard. Um, Glad to have you. All right. Um, I have an issue. I have an abundance of young groundhogs on my place, and they are just tearing up everything. Is there something you can recommend other than me just going out there shooting them out? Well, you can always you, you you can trap them, but shooting them's the best and easiest uh, situation. If you've got very many of them, sooner or later, coyotes are going to find out they're there, and they're going to take care of that real quick. Well, I'm tell you what, I have an abundance of them. They seem to love my up under my barn, up under my corn crib. <laughs> Yes, sir. They try to get in my yard, so. Mm-hmm. I understand. And, uh, and I have another question. I have a um, an automatic twenty-two rifle, and in case my my son was putting um, birdshot in it, but it will not eject them. Is there something I need to do? Is it dirty or is it just? Something that they will not accept, um, birdshot. Uh, they don't accept it well because of the crimp at the end of the shell, and that's okay. probably your problem. Right. And I, I wouldn't recommend shooting birdshot through that rifle if it's, you know, you got it for accuracy purposes rather than okay. just, you know, plinking around. The reason yeah. being that fine shot will tend to lodge in the rifling in the barrel and will cause accuracy problems at some point. You probably need okay. to take a wire brush and solve it and clean those uh, lands and grooves in the barrel to get it back where it ought to be. All right. I appreciate that, sir. Okay, Nate. I appreciate your call. Let's go to Tommy. Uh, he's been holding patiently, and Earl and Steve are right behind. Yes, Tommy, you're up. Yeah, Jim. I was kind of talking about the, the lady with the moss problem. I've had an extreme amount of moss problem this year on my i got an acre and a half pond and i've sprayed it with a product called crystal flex algae preventer and that worked a little bit and then it got just a little bit worse because we've had so much rain i don't know but the level of the pond is up to the top of the dam and so 
What I resulted back to is going back with a 25.2% uh, copper sulfate product, and you got to do that about three different treatments. Uh, and I was up for the pond while I go fishing, and the, the water's crystal clear, and I was catching bass, and I had a, a pretty much of a mat problem like she was talking about, and it's a filament-type uh, uh, algae. But uh, once you spray it within 24 hours, it's pretty rancid. And uh, so you kind of know it's working, but you got to be careful with copper sulfate because you, you don't want to take all the oxygen out. You want to treat about a third of it, and then, you know, within a couple of weeks, you can probably eliminate it. And I was up there a while ago, and there was there's zero amount of algae on the product, you know, on the pond. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty good. Well, that type of filamentous algae, copper sulfate, is very effective on it, not so much so on some of the deeper aquatic weeds like we were discussing, but uh, you are spot on about the use of it. You don't want to do large areas because as as that moss, algae, weed starts to die, uh, it releases carbon dioxide and and, uh, can cause some problems, so... Uh, you're spot on right. about your, well, your usage of it. Well, what I used, I, I bought a 50-pound a bag of it, and, I, you know, I was very, you know, sparse with it. But it, the recommendation I looked up was like five pounds, uh, five pounds of copper sulfate in three pounds of water, of hot water. And that once you mix that up in a hot water with a you know, tobacco stick or whatever you choose to stir it with, or agitate it in that perform, uh, it worked out pretty well. And uh, three three gallons wasn't enough, so I just I upped that, I doubled it, and uh, went around. Of course, my pond's quite large, and I have a sprayer that I can reach out maybe twenty five thirty feet with the pressure on the spot on the pond, and. Uh, that did a good job for me, but uh, that was after hearing your explanation a while ago about the dap and the and the lime, uh, hydrated lime is what you were talking about. Yes, sir. And, uh, and uh, that's a that's awful good too. It was a recommendation, but still, uh, I thought, well, I don't know if I even need to talk to you about that after that explanation. <laughs> All right. But anyway, I'll let you go, and uh, that just, I thought maybe I could help out with that. You bet. Well, I appreciate it, Tommy. All right, bud. Thank you. Thank yes, you sir. Up. Earl and Steve, I'll be with you right after this break. i got to do a little station business. The number is 571-8484-1800-444-8484. This break is presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road, They'll take great care of you, all kind of boats for sale, used boats, some great deals on them as well. Check them out. They'll treat you right. And remember, you never get soaked at SMI Marine. Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. Open lines tonight, 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Let's go to Steve, who's been holding Earl. We'll be right with you. Yes, Steve, you're up. Okay, Jim, is it new uh, for catfish neutering? Is it legal to neuter in Kentucky in the state of Indiana? You're saying neutering. You mean noodling? Yeah, where you catch the catfish by hand. Yes, sir. Uh, it is legal in Kentucky. I'm not sure about Indiana's regulations. 
You, you, oh, shucks. Um, all you need to do, though, is go on their website. Do you have access to a computer? Or? Yeah. I'll okay. It's it's INDNR, IN for Indiana, Department of Natural Resources, INDNR, and uh, go to their fishing regulations section, and that will give you that information. You can just, once you get in there, you can Google it. And, uh, okay. One other question. Is there any guide service for fishing in or around Louisville for the Ohio River, around the falls? Uh, yes, there is. Um, I know one gentleman, uh, Chino Ross, guides there. Uh, you can probably do a search on him. Um, he's, you know, an individual. I don't know that he has a guide service, but it's C-H-I-N-O-R-O-S-S. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, let's go to Earl. Yes, Earl, you're up. Yes, I'm a first-time caller. I've listened to you for years. Enjoy your program. Thank you, sir. Uh, I haven't listened to that lady calling about her a lake that had all that spider web stuff on it. Uh, yes, sir. My lake's about 40 years old. I'm going to be 85 pretty soon. But in the last four years or so, I've started these little leaves growing up, and it just seemed like single stems. I've got about a one-inch leaf on top of them. I sprayed them the last couple of years, but they keep coming back. Yes, sir. Now, I heard you call uh, that lady, you talked to her later, that you put uh, powdered lime in there and DAP. What is DAP? Diamonium phosphate. It's a fertilizer. Oh, okay. Uh, do, do you have any idea what kind of uh, growth that is? It grows out about 8 or 10 feet in my lake. Well, there's there's a lot of different... All around the edges. Yes, sir. Uh it could be uh, water primrose. It could be uh, some of the uh, different types of other uh, aquatic weeds. I almost have to see a picture of it to to help you identify well, these it. These are but. about a one-inch diameter. Now, the way she was talking, hers were all tangled up together. Yes, sir. But these things to go out, they must have an awful long stem because they go out, I'd say, five or six feet or maybe more out in the lake. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll they'll go to the veiling sunlight, and they do have long stem structures. So, uh, well, does that aqua shade? If you put that in there, does that help it any? Uh, no, sir. I don't, I don't think it would. Okay, so you think that lime and uh, that dap will work? Well, I don't know that it'll eradicate the type of weed that you've got. If it's a surface weed, it's a lot less effective. Um, so. Uh, I'm really not sure, you know, how that'll work out for you. It'll stop additional ones from coming up because they'll be starved for sunlight in in the right. infancy stages. But um, a lot of those types of aquatic weed, you can actually control and kill uh, with uh, Roundup. You can mix Roundup and spray it and add uh, laundry detergent to it. Uh, Dawn dishwashing detergent. Really? Yes, sir. 
and it, it can be oh. pretty effective on some of those things, and it's not harmful to the lake. Okay? Oh, All right, thanks a lot. Okay, Earl, thank you. We've got uh, Jody and Kenny on hold. We'll be with you folks right after the break for the news. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. Paul Thomas is the broker. Got great outdoor properties for sale and be glad to list your property as well. Check them out. M-O-P-H-A-R-T-Realty.com. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. The numbers 571-8484 or 800-444-8484. Let's go to uh, Jody, who's been holding his striper fishing on the mind. Yes, Jody. Hey, Jim. I just uh, had a great time Friday striper fishing for the first time at Lake Cumberland and was listening to your show and thought I'd like to call in and plug the guy we went out with. All right. They made not a time time to striper fish. Everything's spawning. But uh, Laker Guide Service, Captain Brian Beecham took us out Friday and put us on uh, four fish, and, and we had, had a fantastic time. Got a brand-new boat. Uh, uh, it was really, really something. First time I ever pulled a fish like that in. <laughs> what? Uh, that's, that's great. I'm glad you had a good trip. What size were the fish, Jody? They were uh, 12 to 15 pounds. I see. Well, they'll pull your string all not, right. <laughs> not anything big, but, but they did all right. Not, not Nothing huge, but uh, they did just fine for this time of year. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll take a 12 to 15-pound striper any time. <laughs> that's a good fish. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yes, sir, How did yes, you all catch them? Can you give us some? Yeah, I had, had some planer boards out on the sides and some bobbers and a couple free floats and had some shad on them and uh, – Buddy, they've got it down to a science down there. They troll at a, at a set speed that they figured out that the fish like and uh, uh, run. Got good radars. Like I said, he's got a brand-new boat. So, I mean, that thing's like uh, going out on the water in a Cadillac and fishing out <laughs> of the back of it. Okay. So, uh, pretty, pretty nice. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate your report. Hey, we appreciate your show. Thank you, sir. Let's go to Kenny. Yes, Kenny, you're up. Hey, Jim, I might mention uh, aquatic control up there in Seymour for anyone who has pond weeds. Uh, one of my friends in Indiana had a farm pond with, um, I think it was called Water Shield. Really tough weed, but they were able to get rid of it. So, um, I, and I think they have a Louisville office, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they did for a while. I, I don't think it's still open here, but they are a great outfit. I've utilized them uh, for various services through the years, and uh, that's a good recommendation. They're good folks. My question is about squirrel hunting. I've never hunted squirrels during this spring season. Could you give um, Could you give all of us some tips, please? Sure. I'm going to start with what I think is the most important one. Don't even think about going out there unless you protect yourself against ticks. Mm-hmm. They're really thick, and you need to use something with permethrin in it. Uh, there's all kind of products. You can get uh, Cabela sells a, I don't know what it is, 8, 10-ounce uh, spray bottle of that stuff. It's usually in the camping section, but you can ask, you know, with the uh, back in the hunting section, they'll – I'm sure have some that are available, Permanone, Duranone, their own product, whatever. 
you got to spray your clothes to be ready for that. That's number one. Number two, the old-timers used to call this mulberry season, and there's good reason for that. Squirrels love that sweet fruit from mulberry. So if the woods that you're hunting in has mulberries and you know of their whereabouts, that's definitely where I would start because if they're ripening, they'll definitely be on them. They're also eating uh, maple seeds at this time of year. And they're fairly active on the ground right now because they've got that overstory of uh, leaf cover to protect them from hawks. And there's a lot of young, dumb squirrels uh, out there right now, you know, the ones that uh, are the youngsters. And they're very, very active. Uh, My advice is to move slowly and deliberately if you don't have particular trees picked out. And they'll let you know they're there. It's, well, this hot weather, is it going to be a daylight, uh, you would suggest a daylight hunt only? Uh, I won't say only, but it's definitely your best bet, and that's when the most active. Uh, I'd like to use a twenty two, but I'm going, to say, I'm, I'm going to bet that you would say a shotgun would be better. Well, it depends on if you're hunting for the table or hunting for the sport. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're hunting for the table, the shotgun's the way to go. Okay. So, you know, with this leaf cover, it's, it's difficult. Those young gray squirrels... The old term squirrely uh, certainly applies to the way they run, you know, and jump. You know, they just seldom hold still for a good shot for a rifle. That's more of a fall or winter uh, situation. But you'll kill something with a rifle, certainly. It's just, you know, depends on how you want to spend your time, Kenny. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. I appreciate the call. Uh, let's go to Mike. Uh, yes, Mike. Jim, how you doing? Been a long time I haven't talked to you. Well, uh, we can cure that right here and right now. <laughs> hey, listen, I want I want to thank you. I want to tell you about a trip I had last week. I went over to Marissa, Illinois, and I fished on a 400-acre private. It's a strip pit. And from since seven and a half hours, Jim, we caught 109 bass. I personally caught six that weighed over five and a half pounds. Oh man! And I've never, I have, I've been, I've been, I've tournament fished at Kentucky Lake, Pickwick, uh, Patoka, Cumberland. I've never gotten into fish like this in my life. And all big bellies, getting ready to spawn, laying eggs, bloodied tails, the whole shooting match. We caught everything on wacky rigged uh, June bug colored lizard worms and wacky rigged June covered lizard worms. Just flat tore it. Up. I mean, it got to the point literally. I was tired of, of reeling in at the end of the day. That's how it, it was. Just the fight was on from day from the moment we hit the water. That's fantastic. I I tell you, I'm glad to hear you caught them on wackies because when fish are shallow in that spawn mode, that's one of my favorite presentations. They generally speaking, yep. with when they see that, it's game on. Uh, I mean, that, the way that that action it flutters down, it's almost it's a it's a no brainer, man. It, they go for it. But one thing I was going to ask you. Uh, I'm not a big fan of braided line. I, I don't. I'm not real big on it. I guess I'm old school and monofilaments and, and stuff. But what type of knot do you like to use to tie? You know, when you're rigging your for for worm fishing or you know for any type of you know tying on a crankbait. What do you What type of knot do you like to use? And I'll hang up and, and listen to your thoughts and keep up the good work, Jim. We need good advocates like sportsmen like you to. You know, hand, hand, hand down a tradition to our children and children's children and, and do the right things in the woods. Well, Thanks I, a lot, buddy. All right, Mike. I sure appreciate those accolades, and I'll do everything I can to live up to them. The youngsters are where my 
primary focus is, if you listen to the program, a lot of the things that I talk about are designed to see it, to see to it, if you will, that we leave it better than we found it. And we have had a hell of a ride uh last several decades, and um, there's too much take mentality instead of put back mentality right now, and it's a big concern I've got. I think a lot of the outdoor television shows have led to that. People are, everybody feels like they need to go out there and kill a 150-inch buck or they haven't done much, and deer hunting needs to be about taking deer for the table and nothing wrong with pursuing trophies, but there's more to it than that. Fish the same way. Um, so... I'm a real advocate for things that can help these youngsters get involved. Um, the not, I use two knots to answer your question 98% of the time. Uh, polymer knot is my number one. It's easy to tie. I'm sure you're familiar with it. You just double your line, run it through the eye of the hook, tie overhand granny knot, and then run the lure back through the loop that's made. Um, I usually lubricate the knot with saliva to pull it tight. You want to pull it, both of the lines, the lead line and the line to your reel, uh, down tight, give it an extra snug and do it that way. And then the other uh, knot that I use is a a loop knot, and I use it on certain types of lures like surface baits is one arena where I use them a lot. And I like them on swim baits. It gives the bait a little more action because uh, it can move freely on that. That one's a little harder to describe, but basically you run the line through the eye of the hook one time, and you need to leave a pretty good tail by pretty good. I'm talking about a foot or more. You wrap both those lines around your fingers three times. After the third pass, run your lure back through those loops, and this one it's critical to lubricate it with saliva, pull easy, and those loops will come down, pull together, and they slide. And you slide them down however far you want them from the bait and then pull it tight. And uh, most of my loop knots, I'll use an inch or less. It gives lures a tremendous action and is a very good, strong knot. And those are the two that I use 98% of the time. So I hope that's helpful. Anybody that wants to know how to tie those knots, Go on the internet, do a search, and uh, go to YouTube especially, and they'll have demonstrations ahead of time. But uh, I know a lot of people like the six twists back through and back through. I don't like it. Um, for my purposes, a polymer so easy. And when I was on Berkeley's uh, field test team, we tested all kind of knots, and the polymer comes right up there with the strongest and it's the simplest to tie. So that would be my recommendation for knots for general purpose fishing of all sorts. All right, folks, we got to go to break here. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. Paul Thomas has a lot of cabins, small farms, wildlife management properties, and large properties for sale. And would be glad to list you as well. He'll even arrange financing for you. Uh, and be glad to list your property and help push it. Check them out, mophrtrealty.com. 
Okay, folks, we're back. The numbers, if you got any questions here, 571-8484-1-800-444-8484. Let's go to Steve, who's been on hold. Yes, Steve, you're up. Hey, um, I'm headed up to the Boundary Waters with my brother and some other guys. Any suggestions on fishing next week? Oh, man, you're going to be a little early by my <laughs> standards, but uh, that's a magic place. The walleye will be active, certainly. Um, you can catch them on uh, a variety of lures. Uh, a jig with a curly tail and tip with a live minnow is deadly for them, as you probably know. Um, if you can get into areas where there's an inflow of water in those lakes, in other words, where there's okay. a, one lake spilling into another and you've got current, you're going to find smallmouth and walleye there. If there's no other place to be, I can promise you, you're going to have fish ganged up there because they love those outflows because there's minnows there, and and uh, that's a great place to prospect for them. Uh, both those species okay, so- of fish also hit uh, crankbaits like a, a Rapala, um, a shad wrap Rapala lure is a great choice for them as well, especially when they're real active. And if you're uh, tuned to using live bait, you can't beat leeches for both species uh, in those areas that I'm talking about. And the side current where the flow comes in and then you'll have eddies on each side where the uh, water's turning backwards. All you got to do is drop in there with a small split shot, a bobber, and a leech, and you're going to have action. <laughs> it's pretty okay. simple, really. Uh, any thoughts on finding lake trout? Yeah, lakers uh, be fairly shallow that time of year, and you can catch them uh, trolling uh, a variety of baits. But the, the larger-sized uh, crankbaits, again, the shad wrap uh, can be good for them. And... Uh, if you can find them, are you going to be able to have electronics, or are you going in a canoe? I, I'll have electronics. I'm in my boat. Okay. Uh, if you can find them on your depth finder, they're a sucker for a jigging spoon. That's one of my favorite ways of catching them, if you can find a school of them and uh, dropping, uh, you know, fluttering a spoon in front of them. They can't stand it. Okay. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Uh, a tip. Show. Thank you. All right. Hey, Steve. Uh, yeah. Before you go on that spoon, if they won't hit it when you're fluttering it, drop it beneath them, uh, you know, say five to ten feet, and reel that spoon towards the surface just as fast as you can peel it. Uh, it'll trigger their strikes a lot of times if they're not hitting it while it's fluttering. Okay. And you okay. can and you, you. and you can troll spoons. For them as well, there's, you know, a lot of different spoons you can use, but uh, they're suckers for that as well. You can put a uh, one- or two-ounce weight about two to three feet ahead of those spoons to get them down, and uh, they'll, they'll bang them. All right? Okay. Okay, thank you, man. Call, hey, it. call us and let us know how it worked out for you. I'm real curious about it. I will. Thank you, sir. You know, I haven't been to the Boundary Waters in several years now. That was a yearly trip for me, and I really miss it. I love going up there and fishing for pike. Uh, Steve, I don't know if you're a pike guy and like to catch northern pike, 
But I can tell you, any type of jointed uh, diving bait, there's something about a jointed lure that really attracts those fish. Um, a jerk bait type of lure that's jointed is just deadly on them. There's a lot of different makes of it, and they can be fairly cheap, but for some reason, slow reeling and twitching a, a jointed lure is fantastic. And they'll be in the bays and little uh, coves, start at the mouth of the cove. Some of the bigger fish will be suspended right there in the mouth of it. Fish either side, ease back, fish a third of the way back, and then start fire casting into the back end, and you'll catch a lot of northern. And, man, they're fun. I, I love them. And uh, they're aggressive, and it's hard not to like an aggressive fish. <laughs> they, uh, they tickle me, actually. I call them smileys. Because the way they come up and turn that eye towards you, and they got that big toothy grin looking at you. They're fun fish, and uh, I really miss fishing for them. Folks, we talk about a lot tonight. If you have kids, uh, listen to us on podcast, take some notes. I gave a lot of different ways to catch some fish for the children this weekend. It's, it's going to be a great time. Uh want to pass along one other tip. Bluegill are spawning. We just passed the, the moon. And they'll be up if you got access to a lake or farm pond. There'll be bluegill spawning in the shadow, shallow areas. Of course, they'll take worms, crickets, and what have you. Enjoy being with you. Check us out on Facebook during the week. It's Jim Strader Outdoors. God bless everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.